At Audi, expectations matter. It's why what's standard on every Audi SUV are features that exceed yours. How we get there matters. The Audi family of SUVs. Progress you can feel. We've seen all the video call fails by now. The mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn this thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton, for the stay. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts, and on this episode, a queer Muslim blogger becomes a voice of hope during the Syrian revolution. But when she's captured by the government, the effort to free her reveals shocking secrets. We'll review the new CBC podcast, Gay Girl Gone. Joining me to get that done is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband and love of my life, Kevin Flynn. Hi, Kevin. In the way you paused, I thought you were going to drop the love of my life for a second. Really? Yeah, I kind of panicked a little bit. Uh, People don't like it when I do that. No, they're like, what? Mommy? Daddy? Are we okay? I know. Are we going to have two different Christmases? Also with us is private investigator. By the way, having two Christmases, though, it's it's rad. It's only, it's like one of the benefits of being a child of divorce, for real. Is it really? I like only having to do one. And, oh. f- and, and then like shuffling off, here you go. <laughs> but now, like, now we're going to have adult kids going to have their own thing. It's going to be like three Christmases. It's going to be like that movie, Four Christmases with Vince Vaughn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do any Christmases. It's all voluntary. It's all That's voluntary. True. Yeah. That's true. Henry's not even going to be here for Christmas. He's going to be in overseas. So we're going to have like one fewer. It's a whole thing. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, anyway, also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of the Piper Green series of cozy mysteries, Lara Bricker. Hello, Lara. Hey. Now, I would like to have an extra Christmas. Y'all can come. All right. Well, we are going to be, uh, as, of, as of this outing, we will have been to your house for your Christmas party. I know. And Christmas next karaoke. Week, we'll be able to talk about how it went. Yeah, just, <laughs> just so I can mentally prepare. Is this karaoke of Christmas songs or it's just karaoke? No. Oh, God, no. Yeah. It's anything you want. My friend, one of my friends sings. Um, he's very good at doing Neil Diamond. Mm. Mm. Should we do the our love shack? I don't know. Depends how drunk I am. I'm, I have a horrible voice, but I have enthusiasm. Okay. I, yes. Would you make? Would you? Would you lack in talent? You make up in enthusiasm. That's all that you need for. All you need for karaoke is enthusiasm and reverb. That's all you need. <laughs> it's all and you I've need. got a prop for my karaoke this time. Yeah. All right. A prop. And I expect <laughs> Deborah and Toby to do a duet as well. Oh. Let's let's pick something for them. <laughs> Ooh. Sometimes when How we about touch. Leather what? and Lace by Don Henley oh. and Stevie Nicks. <laughs> okay. I don't think I'm doing anything by Don Henley. How about Shoop? 
<laughs> the uh, the uh, the go to when I used to drive uh, Sadie around was uh, Candy by Iggy Pop and Kate Pearson from the B fifty two. Oh, I thought you were gonna say Candy by Mandy Moore. <laughs> no, very, not very Mandy good Moore either. Candy by Bow Wow Wow. Okay. Oh, I want candy. That was on. Uh, that was on candy. that same playlist on my old iPod. You had a whole candy playlist. Well, I just those were the two candy songs. It was oh. like a pretty long playlist of like <laughs> songs that I liked that were also acceptable to three year olds. Oh. And, well, then you also uh, need the Mandy handsome. Moore candy to, to complete the. I try. did not have any Mandy Moore, unfortunately. <sighs> it's, a great, on my... it's a great light pop song. I, ha- I had a playlist like that too, Toby. Yeah, I remember one of the songs was "Who Needs Sleep" by um, Bare Naked Ladies because mm. there was like a. Who needs sleep? You know, and every you yeah. could like raise wiggles the roof. Style. Wiggles, oh, the wiggles. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just putting in one more plug here for Candy by Mandy Moore. It's a lovely okay. little pop song. Well, really introduce well Toby produced. Ball for crying out loud. And you? finally, our resident doubting Thomas, author of the City Trilogy, host of Strange Arrivals, and our Patreon Deep Dive Book Club podcast, Toby Ball. Hi, Toby. Hey, I will be doing Candy by Mandy Moore at Lara's party. Nice. <laughs> I'm going to just sight read it. Like I'm just going to sight read it. Do it, yeah. Uh, so, Kevin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is Thursday's edition of Crime Writers On. It is. What is coming up on Monday's edition of the program? On Monday, we're going to be talking about the new podcast, Gooned. What's that? It's about TTI. What's that? The troubled teen industry. We've done a bunch of podcasts oh. on this. This is a new one coming out. Gooned. It's called Gooned. Gooned. Yeah, like, you know, like Goon Squad. Yeah, yeah. Like, like yeah. Goonies, the movie Toby hasn't watched. <laughs> Toby, you don't get the reference. <laughs> okay. Doesn't know Chunk is. No, he doesn't know who Sean Astin is. Even Rudy. Yeah, he's in Stranger, uh, uh, whatever it is. Stranger Things, yes. Stranger Things. R.I.P. Bob, yes. Yeah, he was. <laughs> R.I.P. Bob. He was also in uh, Perry Mason. Yes. Season two. He was. Oh, that's right. Yep. Oh, yeah, but I'm he's not gooned. That. I don't think. Yes, but of course everybody knows him from Goonies. A thing that you have not seen. All right, that's true. It is time to talk about the thing we're going to talk about. I think we've been putting it off long enough. Are you guys ready to talk? A bunch about of the Canadians thing we're talk are like, about? shut the fuck up about karaoke yes. and talk about my podcast. <laughs> Maybe we could just talk about curling. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to it and drop that first clip right now. Leading off, am I crazy? Maybe. But I am also aware of the winds of freedom and change blowing from one end of the Arab world to the other. And I want that freedom wind to bring with it our liberation, not just as Arabs and as Syrians, but also as women and as lesbians. Amina Arif grew a following for her blog recounting her life as a gay woman in Syria, a nation where that is illegal. She was revered by the queer community internationally, started an online romance, and drew attention from journalists covering the Arab Spring. But her legions of fans are shocked when Amina is arrested by the government and disappears. When I didn't get any news for a couple of days, I was freaking out because I was like thinking that something happened to her, that I would receive a message from someone telling me that, you know, She'd been killed, she'd been arrested, that she's in hiding. But Amina's descriptions of life under the Syrian regime don't ring true to those in the small gay community of Damascus. As international efforts to locate and rescue Amina are underway, cracks in her story appear. Everybody in Syria have had a relative who was arrested by the Mukhabarat, and nobody will stand in their way. It just, it just never happens. From the CBC comes the podcast Gay Girl Gone. 
Journalist Samira Moyedin investigates what happened to the famed blogger. The show also explores the impact on the people and political causes damaged by the whole affair. Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about significant plot points from Gay Girl Gone. So if you want to remain spoiler free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes for our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews. Now, Kevin, this is quite the podcast with like a story twist, right? Starts out as one thing and turns into another. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't see it coming. I think I I got (laughs) I uh, ended up having like a sixth sense type of uh, reaction like oh I did not know this was going to be a catfish story in many ways Mm. and you know the victims aren't just Sandra who is the uh, Canadian woman with whom Amina is having this long distance online relationship but there's a whole entire political movement I I think even calling it a political movement is is not doing it justice it's about a whole society almost secret society living in a dangerous time and place for them that their cause gets set back because of this catfish story. But, you know, the setup is dramatic and the stakes end up being a lot higher than you think. Yeah. Toby, what do you think about the way the podcast lays out the story twist? Yeah, I thought it was good. It was interesting because when it started, like I'd actually heard about this gay girl in Damascus when I think from The Guardian back when it was current And I don't think I ever knew sort of what happened with all that. She kind of, it's more than hints, I guess, but she doesn't just come out and be like, and then it turned out she ends up talking to a guy who is a, is a gay man who was living in Damascus in this sort of interesting little community that all kind of hung out at his apartment. And he starts like, it just feels off to him the way she's describing things And then on the Gay Girl in Damascus blog, there's this tale of this confrontation between her father and like the Syrian secret police who come to take Amina away. And the father kind of like, is like, I know your parents and they'd be ashamed of you for doing this. And then these secret policemen like walk off of the tail between their legs. The guy in Damascus is like, "Uh, there's 100% no way that would ever happen. Like those guys show up, they've got a job to do. If they don't do the job, they're in trouble. So they're not going to let some guy talk him out of it. So there's not like this sudden like slam, like this is what the deal is. It's like suspicion, suspicious, suspicion. And then it, like it becomes too much for them to overlook. You know, I think it's just at that point, it becomes generally understood that she's fake. All right. So Laura, I understand from your notes that you actually had an issue with the pacing of this plot reveal. Yeah, I think for me, I felt like it was almost like two separate podcasts. And I feel like basically the first three and a half episodes were the story of what was happening in this time in Syria, what's happening with the Arab Spring, how Amina is putting her story out there in this time. And she's different and she's coming out as a lesbian in a place where this is illegal and she's very brave in this blog. And you're thinking like, wow, this is a really interesting portrait of this person. But it was a little bit slow as they were kind of going back and forth between the people. And then in episode four, when then we find out that this is actually basically catfishing and that there is no Amina and that it's actually this guy, you know, we later find Tom, you know, white guy from Atlanta I was like, so for me, I think just because that's just like my particular preference for storytelling, I would have liked to know that up front and kind of get sucked in with this, like, how did this elaborate hoax get carried out? And then maybe add the backstory in after that in terms of how 
this was such a big deal at the time. And the people that came into contact with Amina online and, you know, kind of play it forward that way. So for me, that was just my own personal preference. Um, I felt like the first three episodes, I was like, okay, okay, okay. And then I was like, oh, now things are getting interesting. But I think that's just the type of story I like as well. You know? Yeah. Don't they kind of signal that with the title? I don't know. I mean, aren't they referencing Gone Girl? Isn't that the whole thing? It's like, oh, turn it on its head. I thought she was getting kidnapped. I thought it was about her getting kidnapped Uh, and the quest to find her and all these people that were trying to find her when she disappeared, hmm. basically. Yeah, that's how I read it. Especially like when we start off, we hear from Sandra. Yeah, she's the again, she's the Canadian one. And I I love, you know, hearing a Canadian French, a French Canadian accent. People think the French in Canada talk like they do in Paris, like, bonjour, je m'appelle Julienne. And that's just how they talk in Paris. Yeah, yeah, but. But but in Canada it's like uh, bonjour, uh, Jeremy Pell Kevin, you know it's just, it just, like that. just like that. It's it's fantastic. Anyway, <laughs> but when they set it up with her and she's so emotional, okay, that's what uh, I uh, what? email Kevin about that. Crimewriters on a gmail.com, but address it to Kevin. Send your email to me. So like with Sandra, I was thinking that because she is, you know, the emotional center, I think, of of the podcast, or at least, you know, the romantic story. And she's so sad. It's like, oh, no, something happened to uh, Amina. She's dead. She's a political martyr. We're going to find out. I am not a monster style. Like, this is the investigation. And that's why I was kind of blown away by this twist. Only thinking about it makes me cry, actually. Give me a second, okay? I think I'm actually going through the same type of emotions that I went through when, uh, with all the questions, Samira. <laughs> I didn't see it coming that she didn't really exist, and it's a catfish. So I'm with you, Laura. I, like the title didn't signal anything to me other than. It was a clever title, but yeah, uh, yeah. again, I, I, I thought this was going someplace else and it ended up going uh, a place that I was actually found much more interesting. One theme of this podcast that I really like that it gets to near the end is how the things that you want to believe to confirm your own biases, right? And that the Amina story confirmed the Western white progressive feeling of like following something that you feel good about that sort of says something about Middle Eastern culture and, you know, protests that makes us feel good and feel edgy about something that we follow. Right. Mm -hmm. And that we want it to be true. Right. And, um, And that's something that Danny talks about. That's something that we hear the reporter who wrote the book about um, the Amina Coates. professor, yeah. Yeah, that, that's something we hear. But it's interesting to me is the early people who suspect is Danny, the, the guy who lives in Damascus, and the blogger that we hear about who works on the gay blog. Uh, now, remember, this is back in 2011, right? Mm-hmm. And she immediately kind of suspects that Amina might not be real. But she also knows that she's going to get blowback for suspecting it because... You know, she doesn't want to sort of say that, like, this gay woman isn't a real gay woman. She knows there's going to be some blowback, but she just is like, I love when she says this over and over and over again. I fucking hate liars. Mm -hmm. And she just has this sort of sense about it because no one's ever met her. No one's ever, you know, it's like all the hallmarks are there. And uh, Danny is the one, I believe, who reaches out to Andy Carvin, right? who was working, I think, I think he was the New York Times and then he moved to NPR. And Andy Carvin is one of the reporters who sort of stays on it. So Toby, what do you think about the fact that like there are hallmarks 
of lies, but there are some lies that a lot of people really want to believe because it does really solidify the foundation of our values and of like who we are as quote unquote good people on the right side of things. Yeah. I mean, I think like good con men, what they do is they kind of suss out what you believe about yourself, what you believe about things, what makes you feel good to believe in. And then they kind of use that against you in order to kind of suck you in. And that's what it seemed like this guy, Tom did is that he had a pretty good sense of what a certain segment, which is, you know, essentially liberals in America thought about gay rights and about the middle East and all these different things was able to put it into a package, which was gay girl in Damascus, which would be attractive to people to kind of latch onto and sort of pull for and be a rallying cry or in his words to the Brazilian press, she was a Messiah for the LGBTQ people <laughs> oh my of God. Syria. Tom. Which I assume Danny like had an aneurysm when that happened. <laughs> it's just absolutely unbelievable. I love Danny. Danny's my favorite. Yeah. I mean, as far as like Tom's motivation, we, Takes a couple of stabs at explaining what he, but I don't think, I don't know if that he's not being sincere, but he's certainly not being intellectually honest Tom's about Tom's a prick. Yeah. I mean, it's like, <laughs> what, like he says, I'm trying to bring, um, shed some light on some of these issues for people that, you know, he's not, he isn't. I mean, that's not his motivation. He's just basically, he likes to write the blog. He likes the attention. And I think basically he's setting up a funnel so that the people that read that blog will then subscribe to his Patreon. Oh, stop it. And then get all what? He doesn't have a Patreon. We do. Oh, that's right. This is long before Patreon. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Are you trying to get people to subscribe to our Patreon right now? Well, I don't have a sub stack. So yes, we're going to do the pitch for Patreon at patreon.com. I bet Andy Carvin has a sub stack. Partners in Crime Media. Yeah. Uh, we get all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, you know, they're all different levels and you get different things. You can get episodes of Crime Writers on early and ad free. You can hear Laura Bricker's Leave it to Bricker podcast. That's right. And you can get bricked. You can get bricked. <laughs> <laughs> also have um, a great podcast. It's called Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club. And Toby just gets together some really interesting people. Obviously, they read a book and they do what every book club does. They discuss it and what they liked about it. And Toby, for 2024, what are some of the titles that you have that we're going to be hearing you discuss? Yeah, so we got some we got some good works. One thing we're doing is the first ever movie on the deep dive. We'll be uh, talking about Killers of the Flower Moon, and that'll be in February. We've got The Good Girls in Ordinary Killing, which is about the murder of two girls in India. Uh, the Brothers, which is about the Sarnayev brothers, who were responsible for the Boston Marathon bombing. The Wager... A Tale of Shipwreck, Mutiny, and Murder by David Gran, who's a deep dive favorite. We'll be doing a novel as well this this time called Bright Young Women, uh, featuring Rebecca Lavoie, our very own. Yes. So it's a good it's it's a good mix of books this time around. I think I, I recommended Bright Young Women, right? I think you did actually. I think I did. Yes, that's the Bundy inspired novel. I loved it. And I'm going to give a plug here to Sarah D. Bunting. You know, she's a friend of the show. She filled in for uh, you guys one time. She has a bookstore, and we're a fan. And we're absolutely fan. The bookstore can be found at exhibitbbooks.com, and there's a special code, and it's 
EXBDD as an Exhibit B deep dive. And you can get a, a deal on uh, Toby's Deep Dive books. Very cool. We've also got podcasts like Married with Podcast, in which Rebecca and I dish out life advice. And we have the CWO After Show, where we kick back and we talk about things that we don't get to in this show. And one other thing in Partners in Crime World, we got a new episode came out yesterday of These Are Their Stories, the Law & Order podcast. And our guest is Ronald Young Jr., <gasps> another friend of the Crime Writers on show, filled in for a, a crime writer. And the episode we're talking about is an SVU, and this is the one in which Elliot gets his head slammed into a window and he goes blind. Oh. But he goes blind for just like half an episode. Oh. Which just never happens on TV. No. His uh, new... Podcast. Yeah, that's right. Ronald Young Jr. is getting lots of year-end lists for yes, his podcast. Yes, a lot of year-end lists. Well-deserved. and It's called Wait For It. Wait For It. Yeah. W-E-I-G-H-T. And I would like to say, Kevin Flynn, yeah. I predicted Ronald Young Jr. would be a podcast star. Did I not? You should predict I'd be a podcast star. But well, okay. if I think you're going to be one, I'll predict it. All right, Kevin. <laughs> does that, before we end the business section, do we have any Patreon patron saints of the week this week? Our Patreon patron saints are Peggy Long and Andrea Doolin, bless you. Bless you, Peggy. Bless you, Andrea. Bless you to everybody who struggles through the business section every week and joins us on Patreon after they do. That includes us. Yes. Think, yeah. And thank you for everybody uh, who listens to the show and doesn't join us on Patreon. We love you all the same. All right, Kevin, does that end the business section? Thus ends the business section. I'm going to go ahead and fade the music out right now. At Audi, expectations matter. It's why what's standard on every Audi SUV are features that exceed yours. How we get there matters. The Audi family of SUVs. Progress you can feel. We've seen all the video call fails by now. The mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn this thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton, for the stay. So, Laura, before the break, we were talking about Tom. What are your thoughts? Well, it's interesting. So I, that was one of my things. It's like, I'm like, what is this guy's endgame? So I did a little more reading on Tom because I was thinking to myself, like, on one hand, you're like, hey, he's raising awareness, even if it's fictional, of something that's a real world issue for people living in Syria that are gay. But what is his endgame? And, and obviously that's tainted. Well, here's the thing. Tom was an aspiring writer who wasn't getting picked up anywhere, had tried to pitch things, wasn't getting any traction. All of a sudden his blog is getting traction. And then he kind of tries to explain it that he's developing this fictional character that he's then going to like pitch as a book. If you want to compliment me, you know, tell me you like my writing. And that's something that certainly... Yeah, the fact that I had people saying, you're an incredible writer, really, that's how, how you make me happy. So this was really actually, to me, pretty self-serving, because that's really what I think his motivation was, is he got a taste of a positive response. His writing had not been well-received to that point, to the level where he was going to get picked up by an editor or a publisher or something. And he sees the interest in this. He's getting hits, he's getting feedback, 
And then he just keeps writing it and then developing side characters. Um, I found a quote from him. He said, when I got a first couple initial media bites, I was extremely flattered and impressed with myself that here I had written something that was fictional, but it was getting taken seriously and treated as a real event. It appeals to my vanity that here I am. I am so smart. I can do this, says Tom. Yes, but he had multiple affairs with people online, including another cis white straight guy who was also posing as a lesbian online. That's the best. (laughs) Hot stuff. Part of me thinks... Are you touching your boobs? Are you touching your boobs? (laughs) Part of me thinks, as Danny said, and Danny's outrage of them, you know, these men just co-opting this and just like jerking off as they write this fiction, which is probably true. Probably. Yeah, yeah. sexting with somebody. The, long I, the yeah, idea absolutely. that it's these two. You cut to it, right? The there. idea that these these two cis straight white guys posing as lesbians online, writing to each other. I'm sorry. I know it's horrible, but there's something about that that is also fucking hilarious to me. It's like a very black comedy. <laughs> <laughs> and that Tom's wife, who I guess is still with him, who's like, you know, I'm 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 beyond outraged. I'm like, how beyond outraged you are at the affairs that your husband had. With multiple people, like he had legit affairs with people online. More than Sandra, I didn't. I didn't the man, he had an affair with Paula, who was also a man. Oh, that's right. That's <laughs> with the Les Get Real website, and he told Sandra in that interview that he had quote a number of flirtations, yeah. and that the people would eventually get bored, or he would get bored and just go away. And apparently, his kidnapping story was just a way to try to end the fucking relationship. It's a pretty intense way to ghost the world. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. One of the things that's interesting, Toby, is that, like, catfishing, I mean, we know it's existed for a while, but it's not really in, like, the pop culture lexicon back in 2011, is it? Uh, That's what I was trying to figure out. Like, the first time I heard about it was with that linebacker for Notre Dame who had a fake girlfriend and everybody's like laughing at him like ah what an idiot yeah and then it like turns out that like a whole bunch of people have them uh but he was just the first person but I don't I don't remember when that was exactly so when I was listening to this you know to a certain extent with Sandra you're like uh, you know it seems a little naive that you've never seen this person or talked to them and then when you're supposed to meet them they don't show and and all this stuff is like, wouldn't you be suspicious? But if that wasn't in the air at that time, like I could see where maybe you wouldn't, or you would at least be sort of deceive yourself enough to kind of keep it going. But I honestly, I wasn't sure. And where normally I would just look it up on the internet, I was driving, so I couldn't do it. <laughs> well, we just did a little spot research and Catfish, the movie came out, Kevin, in? 2010. Yes. But the, I think it, it, it got into the zeitgeist in 2012 when the MTV show came out. But you're right. I mean, I think it's probably it was probably easier to be a catfisher when nobody knew it was a thing. Yes. And the, and the, the phrase catfishing actually came from the movie Catfish. Yes. Yeah. Because uh, that's, that's where the guy made up the phrase. I think it comes from, and well, now we're going down a, a rabbit hole here, but what was it that there was something where that uh, sailors would bring you know, barrels of fish and the fish, if they were left alone, they would just die. So they would throw in a catfish, yes, which would chase them, them around. Yeah. It made their life interesting. Yes. So that the I don't know. It was a fake. It was a fake story. Yeah, I'm that not was telling it up. correctly. No, but it was, that's, something, it was like something you throw a catfish in with a bunch of other fish to maintain the vitality of all the fish. Right. So, Kevin, when you heard some of these stories about these blog posts, you had suspicions? I understand. Well, yeah, I mean, just something wrong about that particular 
blog post like where the goon squad shows up and like they out her in front of uh, her father who's just so understanding and that he also is so smart that he he shames the secret police away by saying I know what your mother is and you think she's proud of you or whatever it was exactly which, so this it was a very uh, conscient very voluntary I know, exactly, Behavior. exactly. But it was at that, you know, when I'm responding, I, I mean, it's hard to explain because I'm it's like, I'm responding as Amina. This is Amina responding. Yeah. You know, Amina doesn't want you to go away. I know, but this is where it's sick. It, it wasn't until Danny Ramadan also said it that it clicked for me like, oh, yeah. And then they also explained like her pen name was this very elaborate, vainglorious name. A name that nobody has. Yeah. You know, and, you know, it's like Mortimer Shakespeare or something like that. And it's <laughs> like, oh, OK. Then I was like starting to think, OK, there's something here. And, you know, obviously other people were onto it. And it makes sense. You know, Danny's saying, you know, we, we already understand that the gay community in this nation is very small and secretive for reasons of self-protection and that people in that community should have known her if she was there. Someone who knows somebody would know somebody. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. And the same thing was true with Paula, Lara. Mm -hmm. There's another really sus detail there where Paula was supposed to be hearing impaired, right? So Paula, like the excuse was, my father, the major, does all my communicating for me. That's in the world, land of technology, sus, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that's one of the things when you hear about the Paula situation and then you hear about Sandra and how Sandra gets sort of sucked in as well, because you can see how she just keeps explaining away the suspicion like, oh, well, the reason I can't talk to Amina is because it's like dangerous to talk over there. So that's why we only can communicate via email or texting. And then she tries to call once and get somebody on the phone that's like a man that's talking. And she's like, oh, well, that must just be like a relative or something. And so there's always an explanation for why you can't talk to the real person. And I feel like I become super cynical when I hear something like this, because I'm like, I feel like there's catfishers everywhere. And yes. um, yeah, and, and it's so... Laura, you're on the apps. You have to know there are catfishers <laughs> everywhere. I know. I had an AI person that I thought was talking to me, but I busted them. Yeah. So no, I mean, it's it's sad though. And it's sad in the case of Sandra, because then not only does she get sucked in, but when Amina is now disappeared... She launches like a lot of like efforts to try to help her and find her and raise awareness and all this. And it's like it was quite an elaborate scheme to keep her on the hook by coming up with like, oh, well, my Internet access is blocked, so you can't talk to me on the phone or Skype. And, you know, it does make sense because this is like the Arab Spring and there's a lot happening over there right now. And there's a lot of unrest. And of course, that's why she can't talk. But we're still in a relationship, you know. Here are the things that shock me. I have known since 2012, 2011, how to look at the IP address on the header of an email. I have known since, you know, back then how to reverse Google image search. The Guardian did neither one of those things. Toby, what do you think about The Guardian uh, and their journalism here? They used this photo that they were just sent and then when the woman who said, that's me, they swapped the photo out for a different photo of that same woman. <laughs> Love Janessa. <laughs> it's not great. I don't know. I read The Guardian a lot. So do I. <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of troubling that that happened. I give them that money happened. when they have their fundraiser. 
your eyes. <laughs> I mean, I would expect this from the Daily Mail, but I don't know. I don't Daily Mail as well. I yeah, I don't know. I mean, it just seems like even if the reporter was going with it, like wasn't there an editor who's like, "Can you like fact check this like at all? Like, why do you think this is the right person?" And if the answer is because it's on their blog, maybe dig a little further or the fact that they don't show up might give you suspicion mm. or they had enough. Yeah. Hey, man, messages. We basically yeah. got the story right. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I think there's probably some critique about like what level of checking and verification you need for stories about certain things versus about other things. And again, it may play into this whole you know, this is what we want to believe about what's going on in that part of the world. And so the story feels important. And so you run with it, even though it's not real. Like if it had been a different story, would it have been as shoddily checked as that was? You know, I'm not sure, but it was kind of shocking that they didn't do something that would have literally taken them like 30 seconds to do. And you would think that like, I would ask like a freshman in high school to do that on a paper. So I don't know why one of the major newspapers of the world wouldn't. Yeah. Right click on top of the email and look for the uh, IP address (laughs) from which it was sent. Um, So Kevin, what did you think about Sandra's confrontation with Tom in Turkey? I thought it was really interesting. It was kind of, it went in an unexpected way for me because I mean, you, you think that she has every right to yell and scream and, and to want to, hurt him the way that she's been hurt. But the discussion that they had was really interesting. She did a great job of sort of letting him talk candidly, which I think was more meaningful to her. And I think that got him to open up more. I don't. I thought it was an extraordinary passage. I don't know if she really got an apology in the right way. He didn't and come I off great. Think, he didn't come <laughs> off great. Exactly. Which, so this it was a very uh, conscient, very voluntary... I know, exactly, exactly. But it was at that, you know, when I'm responding, I mean, it's hard to explain because I'm like, I'm responding as Amina. This is Amina responding. Yeah. You know, Amina doesn't want you to go away. I know, but this is where it's sick. He seemed to be willing to talk and to take some responsibility. But this is like what we've been saying here is that he takes some and he, he likes to, you know, ascribe it to higher goals. But, I mean, it just was just really selfish and that, you know, he, he got attention and that's that. It has nothing to do with trying to uh, shine light on the plight of uh, gay and queer people in repressive regimes in the middle of a civil war. You know, that's that's not really what was going on. But I thought the the fact that he sat down, like he had said earlier, that he, he needed to apologize to her Apparently he hadn't done that, but he was willing to do that and to let at least the audio roll. But it was, uh, you know, it was different. Like, you know, we had that kind of thing within Mordecai where he was much more cagey. And I don't know if he was satisfying other than sort of verifying our thoughts that, you know, Mordecai is a bad dude. And this isn't to say that Tom isn't a bad dude, but it was sort of in a completely different way. It's complicated, but the, the hurt is real. Yeah. And the damage that he did to those causes uh, is real. At Audi, expectations matter. It's why what's standard on every Audi SUV are features that exceed yours. How we get there matters. The Audi family of SUVs. Progress you can feel.
We've seen all the video call fails by now, the mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn that thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton, for the stay. All right, let's do what we do. Let's let our listeners know, should they check out Gay Girl Gone? It's a podcast from the CBC. Laura Bricker, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for this podcast? I'm going to go mild thumbs up with this podcast. I think it was a really interesting topic. It's something that is important to put out there in terms of, you know, there's a lot of backstory here about what it's like to be gay, uh, living in Syria at this time. And you get a real window into that. Um, For me, the reason I'm going mild thumbs up is that I just like a story told a little bit differently. And I felt like there was some momentum that was gained in like the middle of this podcast in terms of where the episodes fell. And I would have liked that portion of the story to maybe have been told in a little bit different way. And that's just a personal preference for me. It's just that's sort of my particular preference when I'm listening to something. Um, So for me, I felt like there were some pacing issues that didn't pick up in terms of the momentum of the story. And if it had maybe been rearranged a little bit, I think it could have had more impact. Toby Ball, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for Gay Girl Gone? Yeah, I'm a thumbs up for this. You know, I I don't think I had the same problem that Laura did necessarily with the pacing. It's a little bit hard to talk about this story without giving spoilers, but I will say that this podcast is about a bunch of different things, right? And some of them are very complicated and some of them are not very complicated. And I don't know. I just felt as I was going along there, I just ended up thinking about a lot of different things that sort of surrounded this story, which I think is a mark of a, at least for me, of a good podcast. If I sort of, it, it spurs me to thought about different issues They've got some really interesting people who they talk to, some of the stories that they have that are sort of adjacent to the main story uh, that give context and stuff I thought were fascinating and could have been their own podcasts, actually. So, yeah, I thought this was really good. I, I give it a strong thumbs up. Kevin Flynn. Yeah, I'm going thumbs up. I, I agree. It's hard to talk about some of the stuff without spoiling it. Um, I gotta say that, you know, I never really gave serious consideration before to the lives of queer people in a place like Damascus. I probably just thought, oh, well, it's similar to similar places. In the U.S., there are places where you have to stay closeted. Otherwise, you know, bad things might happen to you, and that super sucks. And I really, until the, listening to this, I really didn't understand how dangerous and different it is for queer people in a oppressive regime where your existence is not like just a religious objection. It's a political threat. And that ends up being something that fuels a lot of what comes next, that fact. And it has to do a lot about different kinds of deception. I almost lost interest when we got to episode five. We kind of get away from the investigation, but it really came back when we talked about all of the bigger issues surrounding what happened in this case and its effect on people and its effect on these political causes and the um, the right of self-determination of queer people in that part of the world. And so for all of those reasons, uh, I'm going thumbs up with this. I'm going thumbs up too. I think aside from the fact that this podcast is 
really interesting and has a really great story arc that I think people should definitely tune in for. Um, definitely shines a light on an issue that isn't just important in places like Syria, but is important like places right here. Right now, there are a whole lot of people that believe queer people should not exist as human beings. And this podcast shines a light on that in a way that we should be shining a light on it all the time. So that's just one of the issues that this podcast highlights that I think is really important to talk about constantly. Um, But again, there's a really, really interesting story twist here that uh, we will not reveal in the spoiler section that makes this podcast worth listening to. So yeah, it's a thumbs up for me for Gay Girl Gone. That's going to do it. But before we go, Lara Bricker, do we have a cat of the week this week? So I would like to thank the person who put the holiday pet contest thread on our Crime Writers on discussion group. We are always looking for Holiday outfits for our pets. Um, we are. Well, Toby's anyway. looking for that too. Yeah, hundred percent. Toby is always looking for. Toby's got a new kitten in his family. That kitten totally needs a costume. So, uh, Kristen Shimpy has Appa Bear and Bailey, two dogs dressed up in their little Santa hats next to the tree, and they look absolutely adorable in these pictures. I am just all here for the holiday. Pet contest, and I'm also all here for Kevin Flynn's stinky shoes, and that is the cat of the week. Lara Bricker, if folks want to reach out to you on social media to show you their cat costumes, how can they find you online? You can find me at Lara Bricker. What about you, Toby Ball? How can you be found? At Toby Ball and H. Kevin Flynn, if folks want to reach out to you to at you about what you just did to me in the studio, how can you be found? Yeah, I'm at Kevin P. Flynn. If you want to follow me P's anywhere, if you want to follow me anywhere, especially Twitter or Instagram, you can find me at Reb Lavoy. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Crime Writers On and everywhere at Crime Writers On. But I really do encourage you to join our incredible community and our official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group. You can interact with us there. You can interact with other listeners. Just go to our regular Facebook page, hit join the group. There's a pin post there. Get episodes early and ad free at patreon.com slash partners in crime media you'll also get all the other podcasts we make back there there's so much extra content you won't know what to do with it our theme song was composed and performed by ty gibbons our line editor is the wonderful livy burdett the executive producer of this program is kevin flynn this show was recorded in the treehouse yoga studio above the mockingbird cafe in bay st louis mississippi studio otherwise known as studio c the closet in our new hampshire basement where my dad also rescues me from government arrest by claiming to know the secret policeman's parents to be so disappointed in you on behalf of all the crime writers thanks so much for listening we will catch you later later why is he smelling that shit? I, th- I think my I, I think I stepped on some dog poop. Why are you smelling new- it? Well, because it just looks like dirt. But I want- <laughs> These are my new Vans, man. Is, is, it, is this one of the pairs of shoes that Payne Lindsay sent him? I said, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Don't but what smell. Is that? If there's something oh, on the cute. shoe, don't put it up to your nose. Well, just clean I mean, it off in the sink My like a nose knows. Person. If it's just dirt, it's one Disgusting. thing. Hold it up like, to Rebecca's <laughs> nose. She'll tell, tell you. Kevin, Lara Bricker, if folks want to reach out to you on social media, stop it. Okay. Yeah, it's poop. All right. Expectations matter. What do you expect from an SUV? Versatility? A range of sizes built to fit your life? A range of exteriors that all invite stairs? Or being able to take control of more than just the wheel? 
Expectations matter, but exceeding them matters more. How we get there matters. The Audi family of SUVs. Progress you can feel.